0: Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Today is the last sermon from a series we've been calling Risen King. It is also the last sermon in the Gospel of John that we've been doing for a little over three years now. We're going to do all of chapter 21, because it's essentially one story. I think you'll see as, as we read through it, if you haven't studied it before. To catch you up to speed, John was one of Jesus' first 12 disciples, followed him around the countryside for three and a half years, hearing Jesus teach about the kingdom of God, watching his miracles, seeing how he treated people, and then seeing him betrayed To the religious elite who hand him over to the political elite who crucify him. And John is one of the now eleven, because Judas is gone, who are going, What are we gonna do? They killed our Messiah. We thought he was gonna be the savior uh, of Israel. What's what are we gonna do now? Jesus comes back to life on Sunday morning, like you do. I mean, that's what you're planning, right? Your funeral prep don't plan too much, I'm coming back. Like, no, none of us do that. This is abnormal. And his own disciples don't believe it at first. Got any doubts? You're in good company. And he shows up to his disciples multiple times and has a number of conversations and reiterates things that he'd already been teaching them for three and a half years. And this is part of that series of um, those times where he talked with them. The um, sermon title today, High Cost, Do It Anyway. This is the exact opposite. and If you don't know, Christianity is the exact opposite of an infomercial. An infomercial shows your whole life in black and white with inexplicable back pain even though you clearly just tripped over the mop yourself because you're a klutz, right? Does anybody remember? Young people don't even know what an infomercial is. Do they do infomercials anymore? This ridiculously exaggerated problem and then this very simple product for two easy payments of 1995 and then the world comes to color and you have joy and your marriage heals. You were on the brink of divorce, but this mop is going to fix everything. And then since two payments of 1995 is too much... We're gonna let you put it on a credit card and just waive one payment if you call in the next eight minutes. It's all about easy, 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 easy. This has in some ways almost been replaced by internet sales because now, I mean, Amazon shook the world 10 years ago when they said we're gonna be able, we're going to move purchases to two clicks. It was unheard of 10 years ago. They will tap twice on their phone and they will have spent money. But I don't have to tell you about that. You got stuff in your garage to prove it. So um, Christianity, if you don't know, is the exact opposite of, oh, it's cheap, oh, it's easy, just two clicks. And we're going to see some stuff from Jesus' own mouth that'll tell you if Jesus was a huckster, he was terrible at it. If he was trying to get rich and famous, he was terrible at it. And if the disciples were trying to sell something and get a good car and get wealthy, they were terrible at it. He said, he said, Give me your whole life. I want all of you. Because that is the type of claim you make when you're either a megalomaniac or you're God. Those are kind of the only two options left. I want you to follow me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And only by following me can you find abundant life, connection to God. You want to treat people well? Don't make them the center. Make me the center because I'm the one who teaches you how to love people. He makes huge claims. And he does not shy away from saying, make me the center of your existence because I'm God. Well, I, I guess I just gave the whole sermon, so we're done here. That's, um, so read with me. We're going to do all of chapter 21. Okay. Let me get a little more water. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. Now, if you, four of these guys are professional fishermen, if you don't have a background in church, professional, like deadliest catch, professional. Who's thinking we should listen to some random dude from the beach? You guys caught anything? No? Try this inane, mindless, like, does it matter which side of the boat? Huh? (coughs) So they did are the next three words. What? That's worth asking. But they did it. We'll we'll, we'll talk about later because they've actually been in this situation before. The last time they were in this situation, Jesus was the one telling them to do it and they had a miraculous catch. We don't know what's going on in their heads and hearts right now. But how many of you, the way your brain works, whether not negatively or positively, when you're in a situation, you have an immediate reaction based on, wait, I've been in this situation before. They, they've been there before. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat "'and pulled the loaded net to the shore, "'for they were only about 100 yards from shore. "'When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, "'fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. "'Bring some of the fish you've just caught,' Jesus said. "'So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. "'There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. "'Now come and have some breakfast,' Jesus said." None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, if you're new to church, the night that Jesus was betrayed, Uh, was perhaps marked by this unbelievable betrayal. Peter, as the leader of the disciples, denying three times he even knew Jesus. And he had been given a new name by Jesus. He'd been given, that's that's an identity. I gave you a new identity because God's the one who's allowed to do that. And after betraying his Messiah and betraying his identity. Jesus said, this is the rock on which I'll build the church. Like you threw out the cornerstone, you abandoned me. When a Christian throws out Jesus, we just threw out our our identity. We threw out our new name. And Jesus uses his old name. Hey, Simon, you just took a step back, didn't you? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Is that interesting theology from a 90-year-old man writing this story? By what death he would die is what we would say. No, no, no. Jesus said this to let Peter know by what death he would glorify God. It's about God's fame in the universe. If you're a Jesus follower, it's not about yours. And Jesus told him, follow me. If you know the Bible, where have we heard that before? This is the beginning of Jesus' relationship with Peter. A miraculous catch of fish, a calling, an identity, you will be a fisher of men from here on out. Follow me. Jesus is going back to the beginning. And boy, is this merciful. Merciful. Peter's probably thinking, I betrayed my Lord. He's going to toss me out. How could I possibly be a part of his kingdom after what I've done? Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Holy Spirit, please teach us the word today. Make us humble, make us hungry. In the great name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Note takers, grab your pens. Changing our methods is always wise so long as Jesus is the one telling us to do it. Did Jesus command a weird method or did he command a weird method? If your logical meter is on and you're a professional fisherman and Jesus says, the side of the boat is gonna matter. (laughs) Like there are more fish this way than eight feet over. (laughs) But they obeyed, didn't they? They obeyed. Testimony time, throw a hand up if you are convinced, especially if it's right out of scripture, it's really obvious, you're convinced God told you to do something and you did not understand it and you were called to obey anyway. This is a Tuesday, guys, if you're a Christian. All these things in the Bible about how to love God and love people and I don't always understand them and yet I'm already called toward them. How you go about something, should you change it? Oh, if it's it's Jesus telling you, absolutely. Our second vision statement as a church is we see God leading us to become a training ground of passionate disciples of Christ. What does it look like to be a passionate disciple of Christ? What does it look like for us to be a training ground to raise up those disciples? I'm glad you asked. Well, it's going to begin and end with the word of God. So if you wanna jot this down in your notes, Particularly if you love Jesus. If you're exploring faith right now, this is still beautiful and powerful. But if you already call Jesus Christ Lord, devote yourself to reading the Bible. God is speaking to us, and we're hungry to hear the voice of our chief shepherd. If in fact we love him and we are following him, we have devoted ourselves to a life filled with trusting him instead of trusting myself, because I tried that already. It didn't work. It didn't address my sin debt to an almighty God. Following Jesus, this, this is working way better. If we're gonna follow him, then let's follow him. The very first disciples had the clarity of physically walking around the countryside following Jesus to stay within earshot, right? Can you and I do that? Hmm? No, Jesus is not here. But the first Paragraph of this book that we taught three and a half years ago says, "The Logos, all knowledge in the world, became flesh and made His dwelling among us." Is Jesus? The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So Jesus, I can listen to Him and must listen to Him my entire life. This is how we listen to Jesus. Our first siblings wrote down what He said, and we listen. Right. When we get off the rails, I promise it's because this is dusty. Oh, I can't stand my Christian sister. She's so judgmental. Oh man, she wouldn't be if she read this. This one says that she was a sinner to her core and she's only going to heaven by the mercy of God. So if she's looking down her nose at you, this thing's dusty at her house. An arrogant Christian's an oxymoron. We think I'm a big deal. Oh, did I die on the cross for my own sins? No, shut up, Greg, right? Devote yourself to the Bible. This is how you, one of the foundational ways that you commit to following Jesus. It is knowledge of scripture that tells me, God, is that that I'm hearing or is that the pizza I had last night? In a, couple generations now that are raised on Disney movies that tell us, follow your heart, what could possibly go wrong? I'd submit to us that we should maybe watch Romeo and Juliet. There are some things that do go wrong when you follow your heart. Oh, suicide by your 15th birthday. That was great. There are some things that go wrong when you follow your heart. Okay. If somebody's on the side of a building and smile on their face and joy in their heart going, I can fly. I had a dream and I know now I can fly we're going to get you some resources really fast because we don't agree with your feeling, right? It is not loving to sit there and go, you're having your unique emotional experience and we're gonna let you live that out. Kersplat. Christians, we listen to the voice of our chief shepherd. That is through scripture. Scripture. So fun little moment at Mardi Gras Bowl. I think they've changed the name since then, down on Madison. I was a senior in high school and our class went over to Mardi Gras on a, like Friday night or a Saturday night. And we're in line to pay our fees for our lanes and all that. And this guy comes in, these two guys, this guy comes in who's really socially awkward. When I tell you what he did, you'll go, whoa, whoa. Um, he had this young disciple following quickly at his heels. He walked at a very fast pace. He was a short guy, bald head with a scar. That'll be relevant in a minute. And they had a, he had a Bible in his hand and he was clearly looking for somebody to talk to. And I don't remember how, but he, gets in, he starts a conversation with me and says something about the Bible or Christianity or whatever, but I say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And here was the first yellow flag. Instead of, good, I'm glad you know the Lord and then talking about the Lord or awesome, I'm gonna talk to the next person. You know, Instead of that, he almost like just didn't even hear what I said and just kept plowing forward. Um, so this guy informed me, it's just, it's so crazy, I still can't believe it 20 years later. He informed me that since the name of God is Yahweh. No one's prayers are ever heard unless you say Yahweh in your prayer. You can't pray to Jesus, can't pray to God, can't pray to the Holy Spirit, can't say Lord, can't say Father. Like God is so stupid, He doesn't know you're talking to Him. Are you kidding me? Romans 8 says the Spirit intercedes with groanings. Like when we don't have the words, God is listening. He's a good Father. He's not going to. What kind of an evil father? I mean, the last uh, few weeks, my three and a half year old Gabriel has picked up on the fact that Emily calls me Greg. So instead of daddy, he looks up, Greg. (laughs) And he did it again because we all laughed. And we're like, ah, no, no." (laughs) What kind of an evil father? It's like, oh, you're technically right, but you're on a technicality. I'm not gonna go get you food that you requested. Huh? on a technicality, but this is what this guy was saying. And I, and I, something did not feel right at all. What? You have to say Yahweh in your, you know? And a bunch of his stuff just was not logical, clearly not biblical, even though he had a Bible right there with him. He was pointing to things in the name of, in the name of, in the name of, which if you study the Bible means in the authority of, it doesn't mean you have to say Yahweh. It's very cockamamie. And he used this illustration. He said, if you're a running back in the NFL and you have your first play of the drive on the 20-yard line and they hand you the ball and you cut this amazing right through the hole and you run 80 yards for a touchdown, but there's a flag back at the 20 for holding on the offense, then the touchdown doesn't count, does it? Anybody's antennas going up yet? He told me an entire life of following Christ and expecting to walk into heaven was going to end in disappointment because I called him Jesus instead of calling him Yahweh. Insert the little wily e. Coyote yikes sign right here. You, you didn't get that from this book. I promise. <laughs> you didn't get that from this book. Wow. Back to my previous statement. Brothers and sisters, studying the Bible is how we know the difference between God's voice and a feeling. God's voice and somebody's opinion. God's voice and the latest idea. God's voice and what's at the top of the New York bestseller list. When I typed into Google last night the word God, wondering what kind of images are gonna come up and all I got was an old man, oh well. One of the top 12 results was this book on Amazon, this guy trying to explain that Jesus became God only in the myth and folklore of the centuries afterward. I'm just saying, oh, geez. There's just no historical foundation for any of that, but I don't have time. I just don't have time. Okay, if your child is getting baptized today, would you go ahead and take this opportunity to go get them from Kids Adventure and bring them in? Uh, and then toward the back end of the sermon, we're gonna have a, a special time with them. The, the ones that are being, oh, that's up to the Sunday school teacher. I haven't talked with them. If they wanna bring all the kids over, by all means, let them know that's their prerogative. Um, I guess that's parents' prerogative. If you want your kid to see the testimony time, by all means, go ahead and go get them. Um, okay, second, note takers. Jesus doesn't ask us to apologize, do penance, or try harder. Did you guys know that? Depends on your spiritual background. You might not know. We abandon him in his moment of need. He is tortured. He is murdered. And does he come back angry and making demands? No. What does he say to Peter three times? What is his focus? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Now we can't, for the whole church family, we can't focus on feeding sheep Jesus is only talking to one out of the 12 when he makes that call to Peter. He's talking about his role as a proclaimer and a Bible teacher, the voice, the spokesperson of the 12. So that's maybe more of something that you would say to teaching pastors. But the do you love me is the foundation for every one of us. Do you love me? Do you love me? There's this gentleness. He's calling Peter back. He's calling Peter back. And he's going to say at the end, follow me. This shows us who Jesus is. We see his character. When we do him dirty, how does he respond? Who here has ever said something regrettable when someone hurt you? Anybody said something or done something regrettable, someone offended you or disrespected you? Okay. In those moments of pain and hurt and betrayal and disrespect, what's actually in there pours out. What pours out of Jesus when we betray him? Let's, hey, children, children, come together. Let's get focused on love again. Let's get back to the basics. Before this, somebody came to Jesus and said, hey, rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's a second like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What what verbs? Just one verb in the two commands. Love. This is what Jesus' focus is. When you are in medical trouble, or even if you're just doing a checkup, what's one thing that the nurse is going to do? What's the first thing medical, if you're breathing and if you're alert, what are the first things medical personnel do? They put you on a scale, they lie to you because you know that scale ain't right. That's right. My new shirt weighs 10 pounds. So they check your vitals. There are basic baseline things, blood pressure, heart rate, uh, your temperature. There are things that matter for foundational information about how you're doing. And I want to submit this image to us who love Jesus and those of us who are considering Jesus. What if I told you that genuinely loving God, and Bible doesn't teach love as a mere emotion, but an active choice, a joyful following, a joyful sacrificing for and following the leadership of, what if I told you that love of God, which then manifests in love of people, was your heart rate? If I told you that, would you buy it? Because this book has lots and lots of ideas, lots and rules, and especially lots of commands on the Christian life. But Jesus said all the law and the prophets hang on those two things. If you're trying to love God and love people out of his love for you, not so that he'll love you, but because he's already loved you, you're gonna be pointed in the right direction. A good pulse, it's love toward God, toward people. That's a good pulse. Third, when Jesus calls us to follow him, he tells us the high cost. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he tells us the high cost. Look at verses 18 and 19. This is unbelievable. But particularly if you're new to church, I need you to hear this. I tell you the truth, Peter. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Now, Jesus is speaking But John, the writer of the gospel, interjected that sentence, right? John knew the reason why Jesus spoke and so he interjected. But let me read it again, how Peter would hear it. Only hearing Jesus' words. When you are older, you will be crucified. That's verse 18. Follow me. Are you kidding? Lousy sales pitch much? This is a statement to Peter. It's obviously not to every Christian. Not everybody who follows Jesus is gonna be a martyr. But he did say to every Christian, take up your cross, your death, the end of you, the old self is gonna die and dead and gone. A symbol that we're about to celebrate in baptism. The old you is dead and gone. Take up your cross and follow me. Let's take a look. You guys don't look like you believe me. So Matthew 10, take a look at this. Jesus' words. All nations will hate you because you are my followers. Nations is a terrible word here. As 21st century Westerners, we're thinking of a modern nation state with its own color on a map and boundaries. This is ethnos, all people groups. Okay? People who speak Mandarin, people who speak Arabic, White people, black people, brown people, short people, tall people, skinny people, formerly skinny people will hate you because you are my followers. Any people group you can imagine. Any group that has any primary identity apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. Because you know, those of you who are white, your whiteness is really, really secondary when Jesus saves you. The red blood of Jesus becomes primary. Those of you who are female, your femaleness comes really, really secondary when Jesus saves you. The blood of Jesus is what becomes your primary identity. Like he wants it all. He wants it all. Everyone's gonna hate you for being my follower. Wow, well sign me up for some Amway. That sounds exciting. He says a little bit later, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Because your mother deserves mother status in your life. Your father deserves father status. God deserves God status. Does that make sense? If you went to Sac State like I did and your philosophy professor told you that Jesus never claimed to be God, I don't know if he opened this book. Yikes, folks, yikes. Yikes is the original Greek word, look it up. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Holy cow. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. Brothers and sisters who are gonna be baptized today, this is the challenge to you. Jesus is saying, if you believe I am the savior of the world, if you believe I can and will wash away your sins by grace through faith, you wanna let me run your life, be Lord, King, and Christ over you in every way. You wanna worship me as God. You will find your life in giving it up. You'll find it. It is freeing to not sit in the God seat anymore because the the crown was too big and the scepter was too heavy. I can't do this anymore. I want you to imagine that your 17 or 18-year-old comes and talks to you and they are fresh off of watching some YouTube videos of a university that wants to sell them on going to med school. And you've been thinking and praying for your child as they thought through what the next steps in life are gonna be. And they've never talked about med school before. This is brand new. And you're like, well, when did you get this idea? Oh, I just watched this cool video. It was awesome. How long was the video? Six minutes. One video? Yeah. So wait, 10 minutes ago, you weren't thinking about med school? Well, no, it's a really good video. It's awesome. Everybody there is very fun, and they're going to be my friend, and they're all very attractive. Their teeth are amazing, if you notice. They're all future candidates for Grey's Anatomy. It's going to be awesome. And mom, classes start Monday and by like Friday, I'll get to walk, I don't have a degree. It's going to be awesome. It's a real quick little program. They said it's easy. Raise your hand if you would love for your doctor to have gone to school for a week. (laughs) Nice knowing you, the funeral's next week right? If you love your child, and you do, if you love the world out there, you're going to have an honest conversation with your very enthusiastic child, who's probably not in a place to hear it right now, so it might have to wait till tomorrow, to bring them down to earth. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is not some six-minute YouTube video telling you sign here, Click twice. Jesus says, this is going to be hard. I want it all, and it's going to be worth it. Do it anyway. In John 6, he fed 20,000 people with one kid's lunchbox, and an even bigger crowd comes the next day. Not surprising. And what does he tell the bigger crowd? Hmm? Hmm? Everything's gonna be great. Everything's gonna be awesome. Do the two or three easy things and then God will approve of you. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part in me. What? I'm going to a cross and if you don't allow that to wash away your sins, we're done here. That's what he's saying. And the text says that most of that crowd abandoned Jesus when he said that. They just walked away. Do You think Jesus knew that? He's God. You think he knew most people were gonna walk away? Okay. So my candidates for today, if you guys would like to go ahead and come up, you wanna come up with your parents, you can do that. You do not have to talk and share at the microphone if you don't want, but if you'd like to share a statement, I wanna invite you to do that. This is, as you guys come up, let me share this with the room. Here's what Jesus just said. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. These candidates today, this isn't them. They're not refusing to take up their cross. They are here to proclaim to the family, to the church family, to their bio family, to their friends, I follow Jesus now. I'm laying down self. I'm not going to sit in the God seat anymore. This is how it's gonna be. I'm gonna follow Jesus. Um, If you are new to church, I want you to know the symbol that we're about to celebrate out in the quad when we do baptisms here in a bit. We lower a person into the water as a symbol that their old self has died. It's a symbol of Jesus' tomb. He was dead and buried and was resurrected. And when he died, he took our sins with him. And our sins did not come out of the grave on Easter morning. So when we lift the person out of the water, it is a symbol that they are a new life, born of the Holy Spirit. And they are now gonna do everything they can in response to God's love, to love God and to love people. Not to earn God's love, but as a response to it. So again, nobody has to share, okay? Um, I'd love it if somebody took the mic and said, you know, here's my name or here's my child's name or whatever. Um, But if you have a statement, I wanna invite you. You guys could come out here where they can see you. But um, whatever you would like to share or not share, please just introduce yourself to the family and then we're just gonna go.